Welcome, Michael, to the Soulcast, uh, holder of the fire. Is that a uh, self-given nickname because you're passing on the torch of knowledge? You, um, you know, it's uh, it's uh, first of all, I want to thank you for having me. Mm-hmm. Uh, my first podcast, so if I'm a little uh, not used to this, that's why. But uh, it's an interesting name. And I came to it for a couple of reasons. And um, I would say the top two would be, I believe, as a man, that we have um, a flame burning burning inside of us. And um, if that flame ever goes out, you know, there are times in your life, some people, um, there are times in their life where they feel it dim and they feel it die out a little bit. And that's your light force in a nutshell. So... Uh, I look at it as like the the life force inside of us. And then the second uh, way I do look at it, yes, is uh, in in line towards things like esoteric wisdom and things of that nature. Beautiful. What makes the fire go out in a man's life? It's uh, a very deep question. And I would say that um, purpose. Yes. And I think that is the most important thing, having something to strive for. That is, um, you know, it doesn't always have to be bigger than yourself, but uh, something that gets you up every morning. Like you should be excited to wake up in the morning. And in my opinion, if you're not, I'm not saying that it has to be like this every day, but I mean, you should be waking up and there should be something that you want to strive for, whether that's making money, whether that's learning a new skill, whether that's getting yourself in shape. Uh, whether that's serving serving someone, a community, whatever the case is, I think that the most important thing is um, having something to wake up for. Because I know when I was a broker um, some years ago, I, you know, there were points in my career where I couldn't sleep, mm. and it would be like two, three, four in the morning, and I just couldn't wait to get work if you know what i'm saying so and i'm i'm sure you have uh things in your life you feel the same way about and i think that's uh it's just something you know not everyone has it it's not necessarily a necessity but it sure doesn't hurt if you know what i'm saying yeah the purpose once you have your true purpose and everyone kind of intuitively feels what that is i think a lot of people struggle because they don't know how to find it they don't know how to like test things but i would say whatever energizes you will put you on the path to okay your your purpose and that could be many different things it doesn't have to be one isolated focus and your purpose may change in different periods of your life your purpose may be a career now but your purpose may be your family later kind of thing but that is perfectly fine for that to shift and i think it that it will shift throughout uh causes in our life uh Maybe if you're, you know, Michael Jordan, his purpose was to play basketball. He was pretty one track minded on that uh, and nothing else. So there's there's different varying levels of it, I guess. But to each person to find an individual purpose is what energizes them. What could you think about for hours and not get bored while you're doing it? Uh, what does your subconscious want to think about when you're in your relaxation states? You know, th- that I think provides at least some breadcrumbs for people to pursue if they don't have or they don't feel that they know what their true purpose is. You know, it's uh, really interesting you brought that up because purpose is a tricky thing. And, you know, I was in the sauna today and I was having a conversation with this younger kid. He was like in his mid-20s or whatever the case is. Really nice kid. We had a great conversation. It lasted like an hour or so. And he said, 
you know, he makes a good living, makes like a buck 20 a year, uh, relatively young guy. So he's doing okay for himself. And, you know, we came up to the topic of happiness over money. Mm. And I think, you know, the younger generation, especially, I think they, they want to be more in line with, with having both of those features in place. Uh, they're not necessarily like their parents where they want to work a nine to five for some heartless corporation that could lay them off out of nowhere. And also, you know, things along those lines have changed. They're not the same relationships that we used to have between employer and uh, employee. But back onto the main topic, purpose. And, you know, purpose is not an easy thing to find. Uh, it could take some people, you know, it's what excites you. Like you said, it's what it's what. um it's what doesn't get you bored. It's what you're extremely excited about and what it's it's what you would do for free if you yeah. had to, if you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for you, that's fitness and health. Uh, for me, that's things along those lines as well. Fitness, health, esoterics, um, psychology is a very uh, interesting subject to me. But I, And I think one of the ways, and I don't like to get uh, too, like, off, you know, into, like, alternative topics when we talk about these things, but I think one of the best ways to find out uh, what your purpose is, is understanding your astrology, your numerology. Mm-hmm. And there's also several other things you could look at. And, you know, before I even found out what my numerology was, I knew I was that person. So when I actually found a numerology, it just kind of confirmed that. Yeah. And, you know, I would highly recommend that, you know, if you're trying to figure out who you are, what your energetic imprint is, I think the people who are most successful in life and who live the best lives are attuned to their energetic imprint, if you know what I mean. Yes. And you know, so, we were... Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, so let's, you know, for people that aren't familiar with astrology and numerology beyond, oh, this is my horoscope or whatever, uh, let's let's maybe frame it for people. So the energetic impul- imprint that you get, uh, according to astrology and numerology, is that depending on where the planets were, where the stars were in the sky, uh, what day of the year, what time of the year, what month, uh, all of these things kind of collaborate into one picture, which is what was the energy of the world like when you came into this realm of existence, this physical exactly. realm? And I think, um, you know, there's a lot of systems out there, so people get confused. But I think numerology is very accurate. And there's so many other things you could do on top of that. And I don't want to get too much into that because... You know, then we could be going into 10 Why? other That's topics. Good. <laughs> so, but the main point is, most likely, if you believe in things the way I do, when we fell down from the heavens and went into our mother's tummy, like you said, we were imprinted with a certain flavor of energy. Yeah. And I believe once you figure that out and you understand it and you understand who you are to your core... And you're not trying to be somebody else. You're trying to be the best version of yourself. I think that's when everything comes together. And I think when you really understand who you are, again, energetically, we all have certain traits, uh, things we excel at, things that we can, we do better than anyone else. And that people, you know, that makes us who we are. And in my view of the world and the universe, that happens when we're born. We're flavored with some type of energy. And I believe that one of the main purposes in life and the way you have the most seamless path in life is understanding that, jumping on that current, being that person that you were designed to be and going forward. I think that is the most frictionless 
way to move through life. But I could also tell you this. It may take you a while to figure that out. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yes. Uh, from my experience, I, you know, I still am, but was also more science focused, you know, showing me the studies, uh, logically, logically analyzing everything. Uh, so when astrology and I didn't even know of numerology really until uh, a couple years ago, but astrology, everyone, you know, you have your horoscope in the, in the newspaper, which you talk about. And it's kind of like, Oh, everyone kind of considers it, considers it a airy fairy thing. So my household was kind of dismissed, but when I recently have gotten further into people with actual experts on this stuff, people who have you know studied it and, and really get the gist of what it's all about, uh, my readings, experience of life, and everything just lines up to the point where I had a, a talk with someone and they they said, you know, based on these movements in your second house and third house here, uh, maybe over the last few months you would have experienced this situation. And I had. And it was it was so freakily accurate. Not freakily because I believe in it, but so accurate that even the scientific logical mind that he was bringing up something that he couldn't possibly have known about my life, then there has to be something to it. The evidence is right there. And so I think... <clears throat> For people that haven't experienced someone that's educated in it, they just think, oh, yeah, well, my horoscope doesn't line up. But that's one very, very small part of this whole picture. You know what and, I noticed? That yeah. the people who are skeptical, it's usually in their astrology. <laughs> if you know what I'm <laughs> true, true, true. Yeah, it's, it's really funny. But I'll let you finish your thought, and then I'll give you my thought. Yeah, so, I mean, at some point, you have to just be completely in denial if you've seen the things that I've seen. And then also at a macro trend, there's what you are imprinted with, but then there are larger things which affect everyone at a certain, you know, everyone's affected by the full moon and things like that. But there are these larger planetary cycles, uh, Pluto return, uh, Saturn return in terms of your own personal uh, birthday. But there are so many things that explain or at least correlate to larger macro economic issues, social things, wars, you know, this stuff is legitimate. And I think that basis is how people like Nostradamus, the greatest, um, what do they say? One of the greatest predictors of our times, yeah, of not seer, even of our times, they call seers, them a seer yeah. or something like that. Thousands yeah. of years ago, hundreds of years ago, he was pointing out, okay, so this government is going to be, impacting with this government and that was for sure because he had such an intimate knowledge of the planetary cycles and could kind of see uh he wrote cryptically of course in poems and things but that is uh i haven't really read about him but i would say that that kind of you can see the map of the world and the timeline and i think he would be very foolish to completely ignore that yes so let's start off with the top because that was a pretty expansive thing that i want to touch on a few subjects there so Uh, The first thing we were talking about was uh, from a personal perspective and just like the whole idea that, so I believe we live in an energetic matrix. And I think if you look at that, it's pretty hard to deny. Um, And, you know, when you look at science and things, you know, when you look at how atoms come together and how they connect with other atoms to form elements, they do that through affinity. 
And, you know, it's really funny that when you meet someone in life, like, say, for example, your girlfriend or a good friend, you know, chances are if you check out their imprints, they're completely aligned with you most of the time, not always. And, you know, that says something to me, because not only from you look at it from a from a physics perspective, when you see elements and atoms come together and the ones that don't come together. So we have like this little matrix of energy and likes attract likes and things that have affinity to each other attract each other and they build on each other and they create something else. And then you look at it on a personal level and and then you start seeing the relationships in your life, for example. I was a stockbroker and my clients, my best clients had, and I'm not even, not even like BSing you. My best clients had the same type of like, uh, for example, like all of my best clients were master numbers in numerology, which I yeah. found fascinating. And a lot of them were, a lot of them were the same number as me. And, you know, out of, out of 10, 15 people that I was uh, most, you know, we had the best relationship. I was making the most money with they all had like how how like let's just say for example there were 15 of them like 12 of them had those particular imprints yeah. Yeah. and so so that that brings up affinity and you know likes attracts likes and sometimes opposite attracts because they they complement each other so i think when you look at this all in the big picture you know i've actually i started questioning free will uh not you know i still question <laughs> yeah i'm starting to believe in that so you know, someone, a younger person actually said that, said this to me, and I thought it made so much sense. So I like to repeat it. Free will up the mountain, but the destination remains the same. And I think that is 100% on point. And I think that, um, you know, we have a path to do our own thing. But ultimately, we're here. We have a, a purpose for being here. And I think, I believe ultimately we're going to serve it. And I believe the failure in life is, is not reaching that point. So it's, it's a very nuanced and complex question, very convoluted. So I know it sounds like I'm describing two different things right now, which I kind of am. So, but in essence, I'm not sure if we have free will, I'm leaning more towards, um, you know, there's this, there's this theory called teleology that I just learned about not too long ago. And what it is, it's the concept that everything in the universe is in the state of becoming. You know what I mean by that? Hmm. So, like, everything has a purpose. It's in this, like, we're all destined to be, we're all just moving in the direction of becoming. And then I learned about something called an L field. And the L field is how your body pretty much does all its processes without your natural input. There's an organizing force. Yeah. That is spread across the universe that guides all this stuff. Some would call it God, but that's what it is. It's called um, an L field. And then there's the concept of teleology, which I think some people look, should look into. You'll find it pretty interesting. And then so what we were saying about macro cycles, I think, you know, that's what really got me sold back in 2008 when we had the um, the financial crisis, which was a really wild time. I mean, I'm not, I know a lot of people that I um, interact with on Twitter are a little younger than me. So they weren't really necessarily paying attention to markets at the time, but that was a really, really crazy, crazy time. Like there was the idea that we would never recover from that. Like when we were going down five, 10% a day and, and I'm not talking about stocks I'm talking like the indexes. So, and that was the start of Pluto and Capricorn. And Pluto is the great disruptor, and Capricorn is systems, politics, 
banking, things like that. So yeah. what are the odds? You understand what I'm saying? Like, what are the odds? Yeah. So I back tested this stuff. I went out to look at the period before that, the period before that. Like, for example, the late, like the, the vibe in the late 90s was amazing. And it was because I believe the uh, signatures at that time had that particular imprint yeah. in place. So all of this stuff <clears throat> is really, really hard to ignore. And, you know, a lot of people like, especially like uh, more religious people, they like to say, oh, well, this is against uh, religion to uh, pay attention to any of this stuff. But if you look at the Bible and you look at the holy books, they are they are ex uh, highly based on astrology. A lot of people don't realize that, but they are. Yep. Yep. And so to ignore this stuff, in my opinion, is extremely ignorant. Now, I will say I don't pay attention to short term stuff. I only pay attention to the longer term cycles. And we're heading into some really, really interesting ones right now that I think, um, well, as you know, we're heading into Pluto and Aquarius, which I think is going to be a major, major uh, shift in society. And I believe we're going to see tremendous, uh, tremendous leaps in technology, uh, the rise of communities, righteousness, uh, groups are going to band together to fight for what they believe in. Yeah. And I, I believe ultimately we're going to see a lot of disruption, a lot of disruption and uh, new ways of living. And then when you look at what's going on in the world today, as we enter this cycle in a couple of weeks, uh, you know, you just have to say to yourself, it's just like, for example, we just had the um, the transit, uh, whatever, uh, Saturn and Pisces. Now, all of a sudden, we have this banking crisis kicking off and then we're kicking into uh, Pluto and Aquarius at the end of the month. And then in the U.S.'s case, you know, you look at our uh, you look at the U.S. right now, there's a lot of problems. Uh, there's a lot of things that are coming out from under the surface and we're having our Pluto return. So, again, I don't want to get, you know, we didn't make this uh, an astrology podcast, but I just find the, the relationship between energy and the system that we live in. We live in a system. And to think that these things, these heavenly bodies around us don't exert any influence, I think is uh, I think it's just a little ignorant. That's all. <clears throat> yeah, no, I 100 percent agree, I think. And don't worry about not going to the weeds or anything i think people find this interesting and i know i do so yeah no, you want to share go for yeah it. of course um, and i just think um i just think we're on the cusp of uh you know i say this on my twitter a lot and i have a knack for um you know one thing i was always gifted with is um not saying that other people aren't but it's like i was always good at seeing trends develop a little earlier than the average person it's just something i'm gifted with i don't even like have a uh, science behind it i'm not saying it it comes to me like through uh, telepathy or something like that. I'm just saying, like, I'm a very aware person. I pay attention to stuff and I'm able to form outlooks based upon that. And I just think that we're on, uh, I think we're on the cusp of a major, major, major transition over the next 20 years. I think it's going to be a tremendously exciting time to be alive. And I think that we have to be proactive in, um, you know, for the things we may not necessarily agree in, uh, agree on in which, which our leaders are trying to take us. Uh, I believe we have to be proactive in pushing back. I believe the system, like if we push back and they push and we push, we meet in the middle somewhere. If we yeah. don't push and we just stay passive, then we're going to be living in a world that we don't want to live in. But I think, you know, all of um, cult, all of society throughout the years has been uh, the clash of the ideologies. And eventually we meet in the middle somewhere. But the, the thing we can't do is uh, be passive because if we're passive, we're not going to like it. <clears throat> if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. If we're passive and you just accept what's happening to you, then you're so it's it's almost like working for someone else. You're going to be building their dream instead of forging your own dream. Exactly. You're going to be building the version of reality that they want instead of the version of reality that you would be ideal for you. And 
I think it's important to note that there's there's a sentiment that I always I like that you push back on the sentiment on Twitter about people dooming about the situation with the various groups that are trying to exert their version of reality on us and more technology and more control in these systems where you know you're not going to have cash and things like that but this is a state of transition it's it's never one end set point and everything can change even the next week like we don't know what other banks may collapse next week or whatever else uh, positive things may happen you know a new leader comes up or, or some country does a shift which really changes the game in a lot of ways a technology comes out is highly disruptive all of those can be positive as well so yeah i think and, um, to no. re- mm-hmm. yeah just to reiterate that this stuff is going to be a, a, a massive period of transition but that can also always mean a positive transition, a positive Absolutely. change. Absolutely, and and it depends on our input. And you know, just the idea. And again, another thing about cycles in astrology, AI like literally came out right as we're about to move into um, Pluto and Aquarius, which makes all the sense in the world. So to like ignore yeah. this stuff, I just think is uh, it's not wise. And you know, someone who invests in trade like myself, if you're a trader and you invest, you should be immersing yourself in these types of macro cycles and understanding them because certain trends uh, will arise. You know, when you have something like a, I think it's like an 18 year cycle. When you have something like that, that is going, that is going to be a massive effect on society. And, and, you know, we just saw AI, which is going to completely turn society on its head. I'm actually um, working with an AI, an AI company that I'm going to be, um, I'm going to be uh, selling their product. You know, I've been approached to sell a lot of things over the years, uh, whether, you know, I'm not going to name them all, but let's just say I've been approached to sell a lot of things because sales is my background besides trading. And, you know, I finally found something. I'm like, wow, this is groundbreaking. I want to be a part of this. It pays very well. And I just think it's going to totally transform the industry that it's involved with. So what I'm trying to get at is this is going to disrupt society in such a major way. Um, you know, lawyers, doctors, I mean, when you can go on chat GPT, even though I think it's, um, it's a little early there. Like I much rather read a good book or go to a good website and get my information off that. The amount that that is going to evolve in the next five, 10, 15 years is going to be ridiculous. And, and, you know, at some point we're going to have robots being built. They're going to be attached to this AI. They're going to have some type of network where they could where this is flowing through them. And let's just say you have an, uh, a robot personal assistant and you want to teach it to defend your home. So it downloads karate. <laughs> it downloads shooting. Neo. a gun. You understand what I'm getting at here, right? Yeah. So, I mean, to say that we're going to see disruption in the next year is, I mean, the next decade or whatever is the understatement of the century. And what I will say is this is going to open up the door for more creative types uh, that's why, you know, I've never had social media in my life until I got on Twitter and I never really started tweeting like the real me until yeah. uh, December of 2020. And yeah. it was just, you know, something came over me at that point. Perhaps we'll get on that story a little later, but uh, something came over me at that point. And I was like, you know what? It's time to just you know put what I know out there. And I think that um, I think social media presence is going to be extremely important in the future. Uh, content creators, people who have uh, specific, as you know, uh, people who have specific niches, uh, niches that they're very passionate about and they can share with the world. 
you know, not only serve where you're doing good for the world, but you're also making yeah. a living for yourself in an unorthodox way, which won't be unorthodox anymore. But I, I believe the creative types in, in the coming ages that we're headed into are going to benefit from this tremendously. Uh, because a lot of the tasks that used to be done with physical labor or, you know, a lot of things are going to be at our disposal to make things a lot easier. And um, I think the creative, innovative type that uh, has initiative is going to do extremely well um, over the coming over the coming months, years and uh, decades. And I, I do believe that even if the um, say we go into a deep recession, I still believe the people who are involved in the Internet, Internet economy will feel that much less. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, if I could say, if, if there's one thing I like to harp on is that we are headed into a major, major transition period. Uh, we are likely going to see the the idea, of, uh, the concept of cash is going to go away. Not the concept, whatever you want to call it. Cash is likely going away sometime in the next, uh, I would say, one to six years, somewhere along that time frame. Whether they need a crisis to put that through or not, which we could be seeing right now, remains to be seen. I believe yeah. the first way they're going to do it, and I wouldn't be surprised if we saw it in the 2024 election in the U.S., I believe they're going to announce some form of UBI and universal basic income. And it is going to be given through the CBDC, and that money is going to expire in X amount of time. And that's how they're going to introduce it to the public. But I believe ultimately, unless we have some type of um, EMP attack or something where where our electricity gets put out for months and years at a time, everything is going digital. And that includes money. So I think that's something we have to prepare for. And I don't think it'll be the end of the world if cryptocurrencies are allowed to exist alongside of it. Yes, the issue would be if the only currency that they allow is one that they control completely. Yeah, and I, I don't see how it's possible because there's a lot of powerful um, industries that, like, think about it. If they do go that route where they completely outlaw cash, they have to legalize drugs. Right? Why? Because because people, people are still going to buy this stuff. And you're not just going to get rid of people doing drugs. So what are people going to buy drugs on? You know, so they would have to legalize it so people could use their digital money to buy it. Because you got to remember, all this stuff is traced. So I, I think that that will come hand in hand. And, you know, you see guys like George Soros out there. He's a big uh, proponent of legalizing drugs. And, you know, so, you know, there's two arguments against this. I believe that it makes sense. And I also believe it could be harmful. But if it, in certain countries, they have tried this and it was very successful. So I really don't have an opinion on the subject either way. But my point is, if you're going to get rid of cash completely, then certain things are most likely going to have to be legalized. Unless, like I said, they let the crypto the, the cryptocurrency market exist alongside of that. Yeah, I think there'll always be a pushback from a rebellious human faction regardless. So I think humans are so adaptable that we will create a, a separate economy uh, outside of that. And then you have the whole thing of breakaway societies. If you manage to design something that everyone uses digitally, but it's not in control or regulation or whatever then that has to be something that exists outside of that and then you can kind of withdraw from the larger society as a whole and i think this would be across decades like it's not going to be next year everyone's uh living in barbarian wastelands <laughs> you know mad max style uh, although we might get there um yeah it's 
do you think that there's anything let's say like a, a, a short-term strategy for people listening uh my limited uh financial uh expertise would say that it's always it's never a bad idea to have some gold have some food supplies some water supplies because you know that will never like at the moment everything pretty much is digital okay you have stuff in your bank let's say you have 100 grand in your bank they only allow you to withdraw x amount who really owns that money of course you know the svb that just collapsed they had they completely collapsed and they only had 24 percent of their alleged holdings asked to withdraw their money at the one time so yeah, they can't Roku, even cover uh, Roku. Yeah. first of all a lot of companies a lot of big tech companies had bank accounts with that particular bank that just went out of business and Roku uh, ROKU uh, they announced after hours that they lost 20% I think it was 20% of their cash reserves they had with um, Silicon Valley Bank so as you were get I'll let you continue your thought and then we'll get into that in a second yeah, so I guess just first steps uh, for people that want to be as well prepared as they can. And there's some things you're just not going to be able to prepare for, but it's never a bad idea to have convert some of the cash that you have now, either to real cash, like withdraw it, or convert it to real life resources. Um, Absolutely. Whether that means property, ammunition, food, water. Absolutely. Gold, and you know, you know that's. I'm a big proponent of that. Um, I'm not too um, – I haven't really been um, – last year I had a really good um, pulse of where the uh, market was headed. And um, I pretty much got out – I got one month before the top I got out. So I saved myself and uh, my family and anyone who listened to me a ton of money. And um, what I'm getting at this year, I don't really have a good feel, although I think right now we could be headed into a very volatile period. We got to see how the Fed's going to react to the situation. I will tell you one thing. It's usually never just one bank uh, when these things happen. Yeah. They tend to be they tend to spread like wildfire. And I don't think people understand that if and it's going to be really interesting to see what the Fed does. And if you follow my Twitter account, you know that how I feel about all this. I believe we are headed into a brand new system. I believe this system has completely served its purpose and is unsalvageable. Because let's say, for example, we do have another banking crisis and the Fed has to do bailouts and they have to do QE again, a bond buying program, whatever the case is, where they have to shore up all these balance sheets. And Usually when we have QE, the market starts ripping, and here we are with whatever you want to call it, 6 7 8% inflation. That is a recipe for hyperinflation, okay? And now they could even let everything crash and let us see tremendous pain first. Now, typically the Fed doesn't panic, and what I mean by panic is lowering interest rates and doing bond buying programs, things of that nature, adding liquidity into the system. They usually do not do this unless the market is down 40, 50, 60% off the top. And we're nowhere near that right now. So I would be shocked if they come out next week and say, hey, uh, we're going to halt or we're going to low, lower interest rates or we're going to bail out. Usually they let the pain happen. The Fed is notorious for breaking things and Every bear market we've had the last, what, 2008, and then there was a little period in 2011 where we might have went into a little bear market, I think, and then there was 2000, and then we went into literally like a 
seven year bull market. And then we had the 2020 situation. So, and then we had 2022, which was more along the lines of the 2000 to 2003 bear market. It was like a slow decline with a, with a low VIX. But if we get into a banking crisis again, you know, we're talking complete pandemonium potential, especially if a bank like Wells Fargo, for example, who some people are speculating are in trouble if they go out of business. So let's not get too off the topic. What you were saying, how does someone navigate this type of stuff? Absolutely. And, you know, I always say about gold and silver, you don't buy them to make money. Yeah. You buy them to have them in the worst case scenario. You know, God forbid, you know, we came into some type of <clears throat> Mad Max scenario where cash came worthless, which, again, is a very, very most likely will never happen. But you absolutely should have some gold, uh, silver, platinum, whatever you want, cash, ammo. And the way I look at um, the way I look at food, ammo and water is very simple. First of all, water is the most important thing out of all of them. Because we can go months without food. We can't go more than a few yeah. days without water. So the way I look at that is have anywhere between two to three months, right? Because if we're going into three months where we're having problems getting food or water, then things are going to be, um, let's just say that things aren't <laughs> going to, yeah, things aren't going to be that stable. And at that point, you will probably be with a crew of other men and you will be yeah. ransacking other men to, uh, <laughs> to get, you know, it's just the reality, man. I mean, think about it. Two, yeah, three months, yeah. you know, that's, uh, you want to give yourself a chance to survive getting into that situation. And in my opinion, that's two, three months. Anything beyond that, and we're still not stable, you're talking about Mad Max stuff. So, yeah. Uh, but yes, absolutely. Cash ammo, um, gold, silver, all that stuff, diversification. If you have the money, have um, a property or two that you could have uh, in some type of uh, place where you can go for safety. And uh, most importantly, have your people network. I think that's mo most important, both yes. online and offline. Offline is a little harder these days because not many people like to, um, you know, depending on where you live, but uh, people are less social these days and they keep to themselves more offline. But uh, I think it's great to have a, a network both on and offline. If you have any relationships, you know, I try to build relationships with people that live around me. And I think that's very, very important. I think uh, a network these days, especially as we potentially may see some instability, it's a beautiful thing to have. And, you know, I always say a lot of people when it comes to the Mad Max scenario, the Mad Max scenario does not benefit the people in power. Mm. it doesn't it just uh that is in my opinion their worst nightmare and because that's when it gets uncontrollable like they yeah. if they ever wanted to manage a decline you would think that they would want to manage it and not for it to go complete mad max because once you go complete mad max then you don't know what's going to happen and I, i'm pretty sure the government has ran a scenario where, like, let's just say, hypothetically speaking, there was a civil war in the U.S. and things were going crazy like that. I think they lost every single time. What do you mean lost? Like, they, they do not, like, if there was ever an uprising in America, I'm pretty sure yeah. that in the war games that they run, if I'm not mistaken, the government yeah. loses all the time. For sure. Yeah. America is way too big to control. And you only need, what, there's 300 million people in this country, a little bit more. Uh, there's probably, officially, there's like 600, 600 million guns, I think. And I think unofficially, that number is probably closer to 1 billion. So, <laughs> yeah. 
And then all you need is 1% to rise up, and they have no chance. So that is the last thing they want to happen. So I think ultimately, if they want to follow that plan, it needs to be slow, steady, boiling type of thing. Yes. Yeah, because their ideal scenario is everyone continuing going into their 9 to 5 jobs or whatever else they're doing, collecting their digitalized currency each week and then spending it on netflix and video games and whatever else and uh just scrolling social media and and tiktok all the time that is a cash cow for them that they can control through the manipulation of social media and that is really the scariest thing that for people listening to fight against is that slow decline because that is going to be uh, the most likely way that people uh, become slaves and is how people are becoming slaves today is the attention and energy and life force that they have being sucked away by social media and phones and uh, uh, kind of reduction of their purpose. I am so glad you brought this up. And um, the way I look at the internet is that it's both the gift and it's the curse, and it depends on how you yep. use it. Some people use the internet. I, you know, again, I'm not perfect, obviously, but I have used the internet to find knowledge that kings would have killed for in the past. Yep. I'm not saying it's all online. You know, there's some stuff you simply can't get your hands on. You have to find people that, uh, you know, possess yep. that information. But my point is, I have used the internet, not always, but I have used the internet for the majority of my life there let's just call it 70 30 where i used it positive to negative um i have used it to find information that i would have never found had we not had the internet sure. and it's completely changed the trajectory I, I believe i would have went the way i went anyway because like i said imprints i've always been this type of person but the internet yeah. has allowed that to become more possible and i envy the kids uh the younger people that so it's, 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 it's okay. It's weird, right? Because I, because of the age that I am, I am the last year of Generation X and I both experienced life before the internet and life yeah. after the internet. And I have the best of both worlds and I am forever grateful. Like you wouldn't believe that I got to experience life before the internet because let me tell you, it was a completely different time. And in my opinion, this is not me uh, being, what? what's that word, nostalgia, uh, how do I say it? Nostalgic? Yes. It's not me being that way. Um, you know, some of the people are, oh, well, you're just reminiscing about the past and you think it was better because, you know, you just want to say your time was better like a grumpy old man. Mm. No, it was better. It really was. And I hate to say that because everyone has, I don't want to say my time was better than this time because everyone should make the best of the time they live in, but Life before the internet was different, especially social life. And in my opinion, at least social life, the club scene, uh, things of that nature was so much better. Everyone was much more social. Yeah. And the the energy and the vibe when you went out were completely different. So, But I want to get back on topic. So the topic we were getting at was um, social media as a tool of manipulation. And it really, really is. And if you look at, right, you look at the whole, what's the biggest psyop in the history of, of recent anyway, uh, biggest psyop in recent history. And if you understand tactics, 
if you understand persuasion tactics, manipulation tactics, if you understand NLP and uh, things like that and uh, psyops and mind war, if you understand these things and you're able to actually see what they're doing, it's yeah. crazy. They really were doing this stuff. And, you know, I watched this documentary once about the whole the whole BLM and the whole riots that happened after George Floyd and during situation, which which which, in my opinion, was one of the craziest, craziest times in American history. And I don't think people I think people forget how bad that little time period was, because that was yeah. some serious Short memories. Stuff. What's that? Short memories, really. Really, because that was serious, serious stuff. People's businesses were getting burned down. Uh, business owners were getting beat up in front of their shops, in some cases murdered. And, you know, the White House was being, was coming under attack. I don't think people understand how really crazy that was. And it's amazing how fast that slipped out of their memory. And it perplexes me to this day that there are not massive investigations going on about that whole situation because that was a what's the word um that was a purposely planned uprising and i'm sure i'm not gonna get too much into why it is i'm sure people who your audience will be able to deduct who it, who it was targeted for and what they were trying to accomplish and they were successful and the fact that there are not investigations about that blow my mind. Why would they investigate themselves, though? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, like, even the Republicans that are in power now, I the first thing I would have done is I would have investigated the, the riots of 2021. What was it, 2020? May of 2020 mm-hmm. or 2021, whatever the case is. Oh, yeah, it was before the election. So it was 2020. That was the craziest time in American history that I have seen in my life. And... I have never, I don't want to get into too many details. Let's just say I, I, I got a lot of stuff to protect myself once I saw that going on. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it was perplexing if you look at it from the view of, oh, we should try to get to the bottom of these massive crimes against humanity. But it's not perplexing when you look at it, the view of, oh, the people that are in power wanted to consolidate power and they ran this up. And then try to sweep it under the rug. Some more psyoping and mind control through social media to get people to forget about it. Because most people, that's terrible. And then the next headline comes in tomorrow. But that's even worse. Yep. And then they'll just forget about the other thing. And, and they'll do that literally every single day in a news cycle, 24-hour news cycle. How many things happen? You can't yep. remember the things that happened last week. Yep. Then, like... It's just It just makes sense. It like, is, that uh, is the, complete... tool, the, the tool book. It is complete psyop. We deal with psyop after psyop after psyop. And if you actually study this stuff, I have spent the last six months uh, reading about psyops. Well, there's psyops and there's mind war, and they're two different things. One is actually much better than psyops, which is mind war. But these people, they have perfected the art of this to the point where they know exactly what radio frequency to be pointing towards a, dire- a certain, like say they have an area, whether it's a negotiation area or if it's a town, they have this stuff down to a science where they could play with the radio, whatever you want to call it, the radio waves, where they could incite a certain mood in people. And that's just one thing. They have m- many, many methods. And when you have something like the internet in which this information is traveling at light speed, 
to everybody's phone. Everyone has a phone in their hand. Just think of the level of control that they have over the populace when you are not an aware person, you are not aware of these tactics, these 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 tactics that they use to persuade you. They know when they do this, X percent of the population is going to do this. And I can't emphasize how powerful that is. And that is exactly what they did in, in May to um, May to November of 2020. And I, I think that was one of the biggest crimes in American history. And I also, there was one more thing I wanted to say about that. I actually watched a documentary that was banned. And I don't want to get, I don't want to make this podcast too controversial, but it was about a particular event that happened and how they manipulated that particular event to kick off that whole thing. And they spoke like, this is what we did. We put out these posts on Facebook. This is a lady specifically from an agency that is designed to do these things. There's these little um, agencies that, are run they're not um they're not official agencies like attached to the government but they work they're contracted and they run these psyops and i was watching this special about how they literally incited the population to do this stuff and let me tell you a lot of people don't realize this they were one order away from burning down people's people's homes i believe so it was pretty crazy so what what is the playbook that people could defend themselves against? What are the standard NLP programming and reprogramming to be aware of? Uh, being, I mean, so that's a that's a very comprehensive topic. So it's not like I could sit here and say, "Hey, just you know." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a very very deep topic that involves not only like the subjects that we just discussed, NLP, persuasion, mind control, all that stuff. It also goes a bit into esoteric topics. So, I mean. To, to to expound all that information and just uh, it would probably take me a couple of hours because it's all related, it's all in- interconnected. What you should realize, though, is that you're constantly being manipulated, constantly. And I think the way that you avoid this stuff is by having inner strength and, and knowing what you stand for and having a certain, you know, whether whatever religion you are, whatever, it doesn't matter. Just having that strength, that inner spiritual strength and having yes. your own values where you're not easily manipulated, having your feet firmly planted on the ground, I think is the most important thing. I mean, you don't necessarily have to be aware of the tactics. It helps. Like, it's cool to be able to look at something and say, oh, I see exactly what they're doing. That's great, but it's not necessary. Um, and it also would take a ton of your time, you know, just to actually sit down and learn all these different tactics that are being yeah. thrown at you daily. So that's not really practical for most people because most people have businesses they're running, they're working, they have families, and they have other things in life than to spend two, three hours a day trying to understand how people are um, running psyops on them. So what I think the most important thing is just having your own values, knowing what you stand for, and having and and make sure your values are right and um, you know not falling for this bs that you see on tv every day or you see on uh, social media every day i'm complete bs that to anyone who has any type of a uh, head on their shoulders it's absolutely insulting and i almost yeah. feel like sometimes this stuff is meant to mock us it's a mockery it's a humiliation ritual and you won't fall for this stuff if you have your feet firmly planted on the ground and you have values and it also helps if you have some type of belief in something bigger than yourself um, you know, like spirituality and whatever, whatever method that may be, uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be some advanced form of spirituality, but definitely realizing that, um, that we're not just these, uh, physical bodies, I think is very important.
Yeah, so this 3D world that they're manipulating is only one level of existence, only one dimension, and we exist outside of this dimension. And spiritually, as uh, you know, light beings, we this is only one part of it. So to get so uh, <clears throat> bogged down in the weeds is not really the purpose of this training ground. And that's how the perspective you have to have it is we are here in some level to navigate this world but to elevate our spiritual selves in order to access the higher powers in, in my sense. opinion that is the only reason we are here and I, you know i think yeah. it's sad and this is gonna sound like i'm being holier than thou right now and i promise you i'm not but you know i, I think um i think a lot of people especially in um the type of society that we are in the U.S. today, everyone's about money and keeping up with the Joneses. And listen, I like the, I like nice things just as much as anybody. Uh, you know, I'm I'm all about. I love aesthetics, just like you. I want to take care of my health. That requires money. Um, I want to live a good life. Like we all want to live a good life. We all want to provide for our families and help out. So that requires money, and that requires a lot of money these days. But I think that you know, because people get so caught up in that. They, they really missed the whole point of why we are here. And, you know, <clears throat> not everybody believes in this stuff. You know, certain people have different beliefs. Like me, for example, I don't believe in um, heaven and hell. I have a totally different belief system. Then I'm not going to get into that because it's my belief. Yeah. What's that? Why not? Uh, maybe <laughs> we'll get into it. But I believe that um, we're in a constant state of evolution or devolution or de-evolution. And I believe that um, there is no final level. There's only progression, and there is no, com yeah. there is no only, there is no complete moment. You know, there's this law called the law of eternal unfulfillment, and the gist of it is there is no complete moment, because if there was a complete perfect moment, everything would stop, because it would have everything mm -hmm. it needs. Because there's always something missing in that moment, even though me may, may be complete, it allows us to take that next movement. And that's what I believe that um, ultimately our spiritual journeys are. Our spiritual journeys are a, a journey of constant evolution, constantly evolving. There's always a next level, in my opinion. And could it stop somewhere? Sure. And uh, that may stop depending on what path you believe in. Uh, for example, the right-hand path believes it stops when you merge with God again. And the left-hand mm -hmm. path believes that... Um, if you do certain things and perform certain things and live a certain way that you yourself can become a God. So that is a totally, you know, that's a completely different discussion. But my point is the gist of it all is there's always another level and there's always some type of evolution. You know, that's one thing I found in my spiritual journey that there is always another level. It's never ending. And I think that is applicable to the universe itself. Now, I'm not saying that in your afterlife you can't suffer or you maybe can't experience bliss, but it's just not the way I look at things. I don't I don't really believe in hell. I do believe you can be punished, but I don't believe in hell, if you understand what I'm saying. And I don't necessarily believe in heaven, but I believe that if you're a good person, you will have a good afterlife or maybe a good, uh, you know, I believe in reincarnation, but I also believe in spiritual evolution where if you got to a certain level you wouldn't be reincarnated so again this is a very um convoluted conversation and it's um you know some people get offended by the conversation or whatever the case is because they have certain religious beliefs but i mean myself personally i don't necessarily believe in a place called heaven and hell if you know what i'm saying i do believe that there are frequencies 
some of them very negative and some of them very positive. But I don't necessarily believe that there's this uh, this cold, dark place called hell. And I also don't believe that there's this paradise that we all just chill in. And once we yeah. get there, we stay there forever. I don't believe in that. Yeah, I've written about it before is that the heaven and hell are real, but they are states of mind. Yes. On uh, one side... Yeah. One side of it, you can be in hell if you are living in a way that invites hellish circumstances and you're taking advantage of other people. You're not lo- taking care of yourself, so your body's falling apart. Maybe you're addicted to drugs. Exactly. You have no discipline. Like, that is hell. How that do you know we're not in hell right now? Experience. Some people could be in their own personal hell right here on earth right now. And then yep. some people could be in heaven. You know, for some people, you know, two people in the same exact place. Yeah. could be living two completely different lives and it's completely based on the program that they have running in their brain. And when you think about that, it is absolutely amazing. And yeah. it really is. Because when you think that two people could have the same... Like, for example, two people could have the same problem and because of the way they frame them, they will have different outcomes to the same problem. Yeah, You get what I'm saying? So... And just like, you know, I was speaking to somebody the other day, I forgot who it was, but I, I made a point of how uh, important language is. And that's why I study, I'm, I've been studying NLP late recently, and that's the study of language and, and its effect on us. And when you think about it, we can only define things if we have a word for it, right? Yes. Yeah, so we can't define colors that we don't, you know, some people can because they're very imaginative. But if we, we, we can't define colors that we've never seen before. Now, just yeah. think about, for example, language and its effect on people and societies and culture. If you had a primitive culture that only had 20 words, how yeah. expansive do you think their like their way of living would be? Not very. Yeah, exactly. And then you have a, a culture who has tens of thousands of words. They're obviously going to have a richer experience in life because they could define things. They have ways to define things. So, and again, I'm an amateur at the subject, so I'm not going to sit here and pontificate, but just the idea itself, if you know what I'm getting at, is mind-blowing. If you really, really, really think about it, it is absolutely mind-blowing. And then when you know when you think about that, um, you know you know what they say, in the beginning was the word. Uh, some people say that the Hebrew alphabet, it's like you truly understand it, it, it'll show you the map of reality. And I believe that because I've done a little study into it. And it's just amazing that these words and these symbols, uh, you know, a lot of people don't realize, like, none of this stuff around us is a mistake. The way we describe things, the words we use, none of that is a mistake. They all have a root uh, somewhere. And then when you start realizing that, it's pretty amazing. It really is. Yeah, words are magic spells in the literal sense of the word. And this is why I have this thing where uh, maybe people around me describe things as sick because it's cool. And I get that it's come out of popular culture and I used to do it a lot myself, but I'm, I'm really like, if people around me think something's cool and they say it's sick, then I say, nah, man, it's actually healthy or, or vital. I get it. And, uh, you know, you don't want to be negatively affirming these things all the time, especially because saying sick seems to be, at least in this subculture that I frequent, it seems to be very pervasive and the only positive word that people say anymore and there's hundreds of other positive beautiful words and it just seems lazy to me it seems uh not the point of the word sick to use it in that context and if you magnify the level of 
thousands of people. Six, 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 six. Yeah, no, bro, uh, you're absolutely right, bro. I mean, it's a signal. It's a signal. It's um, like, you know, like, for example, um, all right. So, so what you were saying, so language, that's an example of language. And, you know, when you do, like, when you do these things, like you say it over and over and over again, that forms an imprint in reality. And like you said, the word itself kind of has negative connotations. So, so we ask ourselves, what, what is that forming? And, and anyone, and people who, oh, you guys are crazy. That doesn't form any. Yes, it does. Like, I'll give you a perfect example. <laughs> Do you ever see like meme magic, for example? You, you know, the Coomer guy, you know, the Coomer guy that yep. they created? That yep. guy really exists. Yeah. And he was manifested. That meme came out before they found out who that guy was. Yeah. And then another example I'll give you. I don't know if you were on 4chan. Were you on 4chan uh, during, oh, yeah. during the Trump election? Yes. Did, Good times. Did you see the whole tech thing? Yep. Yep. Bro, the if you followed that closely. It's crazy. Yeah. If you followed that closely and you really watched it unfold, there is no way that you will say that these things do, do not take on a life of their own. Yep. That was the most surreal thing I've ever seen happen in real life. Like, just the way that unfolded was, and if anyone's not familiar, there's actually a book on it. Um, I don't want to search for it right now because I don't want to potentially knock the screen that we're on off. But there is a book about that whole thing. And I think it is one of the most fascinating things I've ever seen in my entire life. And, you know, a lot of people don't realize, like, all of these things, like, reality is starting to show that, it's just uh what's the word i mean we create our reality we literally do and even though i believe in like like i said contradicting myself right now i kind of believe in predestiny uh, as well but at the same time when we've seen these examples of uh, meme magic coming true and uh, all things like that like it's just wild because these things take on a life of their own and they come out into reality so it's really it's really strange and like you said it's a magic spell it absolutely is yeah so the I think the book is the Cult of Keck. Uh, it's not. There's another book. That's one of them. But there's a book that actually with a really good author, and I forgot what it's called. Uh, if anything, um, I'll let you know after we get off of here. But it's a really good book. Supposedly, I read the like I read a few pages of it. I never I never actually bought the book, but I'm gonna buy it soon actually because I watched it happen live, so I didn't really need to buy the book. But and it's not it's like a real serious book and they're, they're explaining how these people literally were, were performing magic and they were and the things that were happening were so one in one in a billion that the only the only logical conclusion you can come to is that this stuff is real yeah you know so and, and where were you going with all that we were talking about language so yeah and you know you look at like these like these so-called um you know when people talk about the grammys and stuff and all these performances they do blah 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 those are all spells they're all trying to um you know those are meant to capture your attention for you to focus yeah. on them and to give it yeah. life that's what that is meant yeah. um are they all evil i don't know i mean you know i you know one thing i learned in my journey is I'm not quick to label everything evil anymore because when I was, um, so nine 11 was my big red pill moment. Right. Yeah. And, and that was when red, you know, whatever you want to call it, uh, taking the red pill or getting, uh, whatever the word is, that is when nobody was doing it. 
And I was coming across, I was in a period in my life where I was just leaving, I was partying hard for like, I don't know, five, six years consecutively. And I'm talking <laughs> really, really hard. I was hardcore in the club scene. I was doing, uh, you know, I wasn't, I was doing some crazy stuff week in, week out. So my serotonin was completely gone. And um, mm-hmm. so then 9-11 happens and I'm reading about this stuff and I'm looking at it. I'm going down the rabbit hole, rabbit hole, going deep, 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 deep down the rabbit hole. <laughs> and I, you know, in retrospect, I'm happy I did it. But at that time, I wish I hadn't done it. And I, why? Why? Because I was alone. I'd rather live in fantasy world. I was alone in that at that point. No one was looking at that yeah. stuff back then. If you tried to tell your friends back then about like this stuff, they would they would think you're crazy. Yeah, they'd be like, "Bro, you're crazy. Like, are you all right?" And you know what's <laughs> funny? Yeah, and you know I had my friends make fun of me. Like they weren't like mean about it. They're like, "All right," you know they used to crack jokes and stuff. And then you know it's funny like uh, ten whatever ten more like fifteen sixteen years later seventeen years later they're like, "Bro, you were right about everything." <laughs> You know, yeah, but like, you know, it's different because now everyone's going down that, you know, that rabbit hole together. And so it's not as scary as going down it by yourself and seeing all these horrific, horrific things that you're like, no, this can't be true. And it is. And you have no one to talk to about because people will put you on a mental ward. If if now you can tweet about it. What's that? Now you can just tweet yeah, now everybody now it's a business. <laughs> I mean, people make a business off of it now. Yeah, it's really wild, and um, yeah. So it's just like I said, reality is uh, it's a big contradiction, it's a big paradox. But what we say, the way we describe things, uh, the, the energy we put into things are absolutely real, and it really does have an effect on society. And that's why you know one of the major reasons why I got on Twitter and. Uh, so I got on Twitter in 2017 to um, just for crypto. The crypto market was going nuts at the time. I, I made like you know not a lot, but I took like ten thousand. I turned it into multiple six figures, and I, that was the only reason why I was on uh, why I was on Twitter at the time. And and eventually I started you know I started getting into I started seeing money Twitter and help Twitter and esoteric Twitter, and I was just lurking. You know I would be the reply guy, and then. Yeah. And then, like, when the election was going on, like, with the COVID stuff, I, 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 I hit up my Twitter phase where I was angry. And I was not, not that I was yelling at people, but I was like, <laughs> you know, this is what's going to happen if we don't start taking this seriously. We need to do this. Wake up. Wake mm-hmm. up. You know what I'm saying? And so I realized after that election that the only way that we're going to make a change isn't going to be through politics. It's going to be winning over the minds of the uh, intellectual impressionable. Yes. You understand what I'm saying? Like the people who are stuck in the middle, they're being dragged this way, they're being dragged that way. The only way we're winning the culture war is getting those people into our frame of thinking. And that's not to say our frame of thinking may may 100% be the right way, but I believe it is. But anyway, the point is that in order to to go against what's going on in society these days, we have to win over the minds of the impressionable. So I stopped caring about politics and I said, you know what? I've had an interesting life. I've been in the darkest of the dark places and I've been in some wonderful places. And I said, you know what? I have a lot to share. I'm just going to go out there. I'm going to do my thing and I'm going to share what I know. And that's pretty much how I got to where I, you know, 
where I am today, where I talk about a lot of different things. And a lot of this stuff comes from my experience of, um, you know, things I've done in life and stuff. And, you know, I'd like to say one thing, like I, I kind of sit here today, I sit here and I might sound like I'm trying to sound like I, oh, well, I do this right and I do that, blah, 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 blah. No, I don't come from that place at all. I've been in the darkest of dark self-inflicted places and I've been in some awesome places. So the perspective I come from when I speak on social media is from both of those places. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, 100%. And you're just sh sharing stuff that you've found helpful in your life and the lessons from your life. And I think the projection that people get sometimes is just that it's projection. And I know that you're at least conscious and aware enough in the, for the most part to not be rubbing in people's faces of what's happening. It's just like, this is the reality. This has been my experience. And no one can really get upset at you for that, or at least shouldn't. Uh, yeah, I never try to, um, like when I tweet, I, I'm never trying to lecture people. I'm sharing my view. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like some people ask me to come on, and I might do one soon with someone who's way above my level, but some people ask me to come on like spiritual podcasts. And I don't like yeah. to do that because even though I feel I made tremendous leaps and bounds in that area, I don't feel qualified to speak on that subject. Like I will tell you my yeah. beliefs, but I don't feel like I'm qualified to sit in front of an audience and say, well, you know, you should do this and you should do that. Do I, I, I know some people who I feel are qualified, one of my mentors and one of my friends, I feel he, he definitely qualified to speak about the situation, but you know, it's a touchy topic. Like when people ask me, a lot of people DM me and they ask me for, Oh, well, what should I do? Uh, how do I find out, you know, the stuff you talk about? And I only give them one or two books and I tell them after that to let your curiosity guide you because it's not my job to, uh, because what if I'm wrong, you know? Mm -hmm. You know, what if I'm wrong and I'm leading you in the wrong direction? And or and also with this stuff, you know, with a lot of these esoteric topics, as you know, you are responsible if you push someone in the direction and they use it for bad. So uh, you take some karma for that. So I only give people two books. I give them the Kybalion and the Master Key. And I believe if yep. you had those two books and you understand them and you apply them and let your intuition guide you from that point, you'll be well off, you know. Yeah, I agree. Kybalion is a great one. I've recommended it as well. Mm -hmm. Haven't seen the Master Key personally, but I'll, I'll, I mean, listen, you already lived the tenets of the Master Key, but I would strongly suggest you read right. that book. Yeah, always reinforce it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a great book, bro. It, it was actually, um, it's rumored to be the book that everybody in Silicon Valley read. And um, mm -hmm. that's like required reading. Supposedly, it got banned by the church. Uh, it's not a bad book. I guess they didn't like the um the self-empowerment aspect of it supposedly would ban by the mm -hmm. church and it's also structured very well like it's structured point by point one two three four five so i think it's a really easy read and at the end of each chapter it has a um it has a uh like a meditation you have to do and let yeah. me tell you something i i've used this book to heal health issues and completely get out of ruts in life so i think it's a it's a wonderful book and it's extremely powerful and i strongly suggest that uh uh, people read it. It's free online. So Master Key, PSI Tech, if you Google that, it'll come right up. Sweet. And how good is that, that we can access that at a click of two buttons? What's that? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. You know, someone made a point the other day. I forgot who it was on Twitter. And they made a really good point. And they said, you know, back in the day when you were trying to find this type of knowledge, you had to, like, travel to a distant land and meet some dude you know, I think it was me. <laughs> it it might have been you. Might have been, but the whole the whole idea was that you had to you had to do this travel. You went on this journey, 
And then you met yeah. the guy. And then you had to travel all the way back to let that sink in. And I yeah. thought it was a great point because now we learn these things. And like you said, we click the next button and go on to the next thing. So, yeah. like, you know, some people aren't even letting this stuff sink in. And, you know, usually when, this, yeah. when you learn these topics, especially spiritual topics and psychological topics, they usually don't sink in until you give them a chance to sink in. Yeah. So I think uh, meditation and things of that nature, even though I need to strengthen in that area, I think those things are very, very important. Very important. I'm going to be strengthening it myself this mm-hmm. year. You know, going by the numerology this year is good for more learning, more knowledge. What are you in a seven year? Uh, that's, I think, universal seven year, I mean. Yep. Yeah, I'm in a one. So I'm all about this year I'm pushing boundaries. Like I just uh, – I just quit cigarettes, cold turkey, just because I wanted to prove I could do it. And it actually, and, and I've been smoking for three years, and I've been smoking about a half a pack to a pack a day. And I realized that I wasn't, I knew for a fact that I wasn't addicted to the nicotine. I knew I was addicted to the anchors that I've created and the rituals I created, smoking a cigarette. And it was actually too easy. So I'm actually upset about it, that it was so easy to quit. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm not saying that. Not a challenge. Yeah, like I'm not saying that to brag or anything. Like it's just, I was just shocked how easy it was. So the next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to go on a massive cut cleanse at the same time. And I'm probably going to start that in April. I'm going to do a cleanse and a cut at the same time. And then after that, I'm going to do something even more challenging. So like I'm all about like, and that's, you know, it's good. I think it's good to live within like the energy imprint. So, you know, a lot of people think that's woo and crazy, but whatever. For me, I like it. Even if it's not real, I'm making it real by believing in it. So, and yes. so what I want to do is I want to like keep this, I want to make, you know, one thing after another. I just want to keep pushing, pushing, pushing. And I want to see where I'm at at the end of the year. And I think that's the most important thing in life it, it is when you're stagnating, that's it. You're dead. And a lot of people, you know, you see a lot of people, they get to like 24, 25, 26 years old. The light goes out. Yeah. It's like, and that's what, you know, you asked me what holder or the fire stands for. That is exactly what it stands for. And, yeah. and I say this from being in that place where there was no fire. So I think that's extremely important. I think when the minute you stop growing and evolving is, is, the, is the beginning of uh, the nail in your coffin. Exactly. It's uh, it you know, if if you're not increasing, then it's decreasing. Absolutely. You don't have a stat a static point for your health, your fitness, your financials, your business, your relationships. You have to put energy towards things in order to push that wheel along. And if you stop pushing this wheel, then stop spinning that plate. Then that plate will fall. The wheel will stop. And again, it's that law of perpetual. You know, you think if you just work hard enough and then you get to a point and then, oh, I'll be able to chill. But it's like, nope, it's a new day. You got to keep going. And that's beautiful as I well. Think beautiful. It, and it, yeah, I think it's beautiful. If we got to a set point, people would get to it and then be like, well, what now? That's what, that's one of the biggest reasons with people that they attach their whole lives to one particular goal, one particular financial set point, uh, And they work their whole lives to get to that. And then, then they get it. And they thought everything would be solved. I'd finally be happy. But no, the, the struggle and the pursuit of that thing is what engaged you enough to be happy in the process. Absolutely. And, and you, know, just, it's, uh, it's not, I know, you know, it's funny. And I'm sure you've experienced this before because, um, you know, you've had a tremendous amount of success over the last couple of years. Very organic, by the way. And, um, you know, it's worked out really well for you. you built a really nice brand for yourself. And uh, you. like, you know, when you wanted these things, like say you wanted a nice watch or a nice car, when you finally get them, 
that lasts like a day or two and you're over it. So yeah. that, that depresses some people because they're like, well, yeah. you know, I, I thought I was going to be happy when I had all these nice things. That's not the way it works. And yeah. you know what I, I think ultimately and what makes people like I put out a tweet today, like you see some people, let's just say like, I'm not going to name names because we're on a podcast and I don't know who's listening to this. But let's just say you're like a 60, 65 year old guy, right? You're worth 500 million, a billion dollars. You got a family. You're still out there every day, hustling, hustling, hustling. Like part of me respects that, but part of me is also like, like where are you trying to go? Like, all right, so you're going to be worth two billion, and you're still going to be the same exact person because the way I see yeah. it, like, look at Elon Musk for example. He's worth two hundred billion bucks, and yeah, he's more powerful than the average guy, but he's still a cog in the matrix, in my opinion. Like he is, um, even though he knows he knows certain truths and he has all this money and he's working on amazing projects, he is still subject to the laws of the system. And there is an entrenched power structure in the system that has been, in my opinion, in charge of the system since the since the very beginning of civilization. And they're likely not going anywhere. I hate to say that. Um, mm. You know, they're there for a reason. So, like, at what point does the the chase for money, like, at what point does it just become, like, you know, what are you doing? And, you know, it's funny because I've been, um, I was in the brokerage industry for 15 years. So I, I got to speak to a lot of wealthy people, um, sports agents, um, mega CEOs, uh, people who started their own business and became billionaires. And I got to say, the people who were most happy, now don't get me wrong, I had a ton of money. Uh, the people who were most happy were in the range of like 25 million to like 150, 250. And yes, they were running their companies and they were still doing business, but they also had a really cool perspective and wonder about life right mm. and like they were self-made guys usually and then i would talk to the guys who are like legit billionaires like i've spoken to maybe like five or six billionaires in my life uh you know some of them more than once and some of them only like for a couple minutes and i i gotta tell you they were the most miserable people miserable sounding people i've ever spoke to in my life now i don't know if it's because wow. maybe they just didn't appreciate the phone call or whatever the case is but they just sounded yeah. so miserable i think one out of like the five or six guys I spoke to actually sounded happy. But then I would speak to these guys who were like entrepreneurs and they were filled with wonder and filled with life. And, you know, they were usually in a sweet spot in the net worth and money wasn't their main motivation and money, their main motivation was like so much bigger than that. And that's why they had the money to begin with. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 It's a certain archetype. And I can never understand this, the constant chase for money and money alone. I think, if, you know, once you get to a certain point, it's about personal evolution. It's about serving others and things of that nature, in my opinion. For sure. And there's you have to hit that set moment to not worry about money. And then you can, you know, do the spiritual evolution. Whatever. Yeah, of course. But there's, I think the, there's... Um, there's the Maslow hierarchy of needs for a reason. I mean, you can't be worried about where, you get, where you're getting your next meal and then trying to figure out. Yeah. Although, you know, there are people who don't have much money who are spiritual masters. So you can't necessarily say that. But you know yes, what I'm getting true. at. They're usually, there's true. a... You know, you have to worry about your shelter first. You have to worry about where you're getting your next meal, where you're gonna, where you're gonna make your living, and all that stuff. But yeah. once you... Let's say the the young guys that are gonna be listening to this, it's kind of essential that I would say, okay, get a bag in some regard, so that you can uh, not have that constant stress over you. And that's it's not a replacement for spiritual progression, but 
And then also, it's not to say that you shouldn't do spiritual progression because focusing on that enables and increases yeah, your no, capacity absolutely. to attract. I think it's a big mistake for people to say, oh, well, I can't worry about that right now because um, I, I need to True. get money. I True. think that's a huge mistake because if one thing I've learned in life is mindset is everything. All right. And, you yeah. know, it's really amazing because I was in the brokerage industry and the brokerage industry is all about mindset. And it was amazing to watch people transform from someone who was, you know, maybe uh, just just an average guy who was scared and afraid and blah, 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 to see that person transform into an absolute killer over the course of six yeah. months. And that didn't happen because they were killing it, making a ton of money. Yeah, the money was starting to come in a little bit, and that's why they were able to feel more comfortable maybe. But it happened because of their mindset. And, you know, when you see someone, I used to see this all the time because it was the industry I was in, and that's how we were trained. I was trained by some of the, you know, the people I've gotten trained by in my sales career. I came across some of the most unbelievable characters, and I couldn't even describe these people. They're larger than life, and they had these unreal personalities, and I'm so blessed to have learned from them. And, you know, from a mentality standpoint and from a sales standpoint, you know, I've learned from guys that were trained by Jordan Belfort. Now, I know Jordan Belfort is not the, you know, a lot of people don't disagree with what he did, but he was an excellent salesman. And, you know, I was directly yeah. in the lineage of um, his training. And so my point is I, was, I, I, I learned from these guys who were larger than life, people who came from nothing. I mean, absolutely nothing from the streets, from the hood, and who are worth like $150, $200 million. So, you know, these are the type of dudes I learned from. And, you know, what was cool about them is it was all like what these guys all had in common was mindset and spirituality. And when I say spirituality, I don't mean that in a religious sense. I mean that in a metaphysical sense. And mm. they were just, they were, I can't even think of the word, but let me just put it this way. Um, I am writing in the process of writing a, um, a, a persuasion and sales uh, course or journal, whatever the case you want to call it. And the first mm -hmm. thing I am addressing is mentality and mindset because you can't be persuasive and you can't be a good salesman until you have that nailed down. And there's something I like to say, the foundation of charisma is being comfortable in your own skin. Without that, that's it. You're, yes. you're done. You're dead in yeah. the water. Yeah. <laughs> you will not be persuasive if you don't believe in yourself or you're trying to be something you're not. You're, yes. The way you're persuasive is by, like we mentioned earlier in this conversation, of living up to your imprints, becoming the best mm -hmm. version of yourself. People laugh at that. That is actually the best advice. You know, you know, the whole be yourself meme. You know, people laugh at that. But that is actually the best advice one can get. But people don't really understand what it means, in my opinion. Yeah, everything's in plain sight. And the cliches are that way for a reason because they are the simplest distillations of the esoteric wisdom that you can break down a million ways but you have these phrases mindset like the all is mind i'm pretty Absolutely. sure that's in the carbellion yeah and uh mm -hmm. it it's it's all really quite simple at the end of the day with all of these esoteric topics and you can get lost in the rabbit hole but ultimately there this is what i always say is there are principles of this energetic matrix the world that you would be foolish not to take advantage of and not to take advantage of it, but just understand the rules of the game. Mm -hmm. Otherwise you're never going to win it. Yeah. Belief. And you know, a lot of people don't realize that metaphysics is your belief system and your belief system is your program. 
And I believe ultimately you get to the point where you shouldn't have any programs at all, but that's a different conversation altogether. But ultimately when you're beginning, the way you program your computer, which is your brain, is um, through your belief system. And your belief system is built through some type of, whether you want to admit that or not, it's some type of psychological, spiritual mix. So, and you know, it's just so funny because like I said, these people who I met that I was trained by who were larger than life, they all had that one thing in common. And, you know, it's funny because two of the most successful dudes I've ever met in my life, uh, they're both worth north of a quarter million dollars, completely self-made. And they both told me the same thing. These guys never met each other in their life. And they both told me, they said, Michael, perception is reality. And, you know, hearing that from two people really made me uh, understand how true (laughs) that was. And, you know, two extremely successful people. And what they're trying to get at, it's not saying manipulate or anything like that. They're just saying perception is reality. And what you make, you know, what your perception is on life, the language you train yourself with, the beliefs, that is going to be your reality. And that's going to shine through. People only perceive what they see. And, again, it has to be authentic. But you know where I'm getting at with this. Perfect distillation of it all. I love it, man. I think that's a beautiful message for people to take away from the end of the Soulcast. Uh, I will thank you once again. What are you working on? Uh, where can people reach you on Twitter? And do you have any other socials you want to mention? Uh, right now, I'm strictly on one platform, at Holder of the Fire. I will be starting an email list soon. Uh, as far as what I work on, uh, I tweet about... I tweet about a lot of things, but mostly esoteric topics, the stock market, uh, persuasion and sales. And uh, as far as what I'm working on, um, I put my uh, trading journal on the back end. Uh, I'm going to be putting that out again in the near future. But uh, for now, I shelved it because I'm going to transform it a little bit. But I do uh, Mm -hmm. consulting for um, people who are learning how to trade. And I also uh, do consulting for people who uh, are looking to get into the sales business or want to improve their sales or things like that. So I'll be uh, putting out more information about that soon. And as far as um, another platform, I- I'm thinking about getting on another platform. I'm not I'm not ready yet. I'm going to keep going on Twitter, but eventually I will be uh, going over to another platform. I'm actually not a social media guy at all. So. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, Thank you again for joining me and thank you to the people at home for listening. I really appreciate it, Saul, and we'll talk again soon, all right? Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.